So glad to be with you this morning. If you don't know who I am, my name is Rob. Uh, I'm on staff here, one of the pastors here at Killarne. Pastor Paul is away this week. Uh, he's also away next week, and uh, I was asked to, to preach the word this morning. And uh, I, I count it as an honor just to be able to bring us to God's word uh, this morning, uh, as well as just to be with all of you as well. And so I just pray that, that God is glorified this morning. Pastor Scott will be with us next week, and um, we are, I was thinking about like, okay, what are we going to preach on? I just decided right over there. No, I'm joking. No, we, um, I know it's Big Church Sunday, and uh, parents, you'll be happy to hear that uh, we're going to be going through the 21st and 22nd chapter of Leviticus doing a survey on Levitical priests. Um, No, we're not. I promise we're not. Kids, I do want to say welcome to you. It is big church. You're here with your parents. Um, I love when we're able to do this together as a church family. Uh, I recognize parents. uh, Time is of the essence, and I will get to this very quickly for you. Um, Teenagers, can I just give a shout-out to you? Um, I just want to say I I miss you guys. Um, Just so you know what that means is that uh, we, we had a lot going on toward the end of the semester where we had to cancel some Wednesday nights. Uh, I was away uh, the last uh, Wednesday night for a Christmas party, and uh, I just, I cannot wait to, to be with all of everyone again, all of our volunteers, our, 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 our teenagers. Uh, we're going to start back up on January 13th, which is uh, a Wednesday night, so we will be back. I'm looking forward to it. And then we'll also pick up our, our children's programming up on January 10th uh, for second service like we have been, and so we're looking forward to that. But yes, what, what are we preaching through? We are, we, I'm so excited about this, guys. We're going to be preaching through uh, Psalms. Uh, we're going to take a Psalm this week. I'll be preaching through Psalm 85. Uh, Pastor Scott's going to be preaching through Psalm 23 uh, next week. And as I was talking to Pastor Scott about, you know, in preparation, you know, we realized, you know, we, we don't do a lot in the Psalms. Uh, and so I think this, these two weeks are going to be, a, I think, a special time. And, uh, and, I, and I pray it's a blessing for you. Uh, one thing I just want to help you understand as we go through today and even next week, I, I would really characterize today's sermon as well as next week as, as something that's more contemplative. Uh, th- this is something that uh, we, we just want to, what I'm going to do here today is just walk through this psalm with you. And, and what I desire to do is just to help you understand how this has impacted me this week, how I've approached this and, and really how I want to share with you what God has done in my heart this week and, and just taking this psalm in a way that will, um, I think, bless you um, and, and, and uplift you. One of the things I love about the psalms is that we find just humanity in such a, a powerful, honest way expressed. And we, we're going to see that here today. And I think it's a good reminder to us that as we go to God, as, as we pray to him, as we, as we speak to him, maybe sometimes we approach that in a way where it's, you know, we don't want to come across to God like we're complaining or that our problems don't measure up to the sovereignty and the powerful and the infinite reality of God. But I want you to hear today that God loves you, is here for you, and he wants to hear what is on your heart. Even if you're going to him angry, confused, asking him questions, or even questioning what is going on, this is something I believe we're invited to do by God. 
Now, I know we're instructed in Philippians to not grumble against God and not, not complain in a way that is self-centered. But I think there's a reality here for us to grab hold of that, you know, we are humans. We are his creation. And I think to be human is to cry out to God in need of him. And so Psalm 85 really takes us to this place. And let me read the psalm for us so you have an idea of where we're headed. In verse 1, it says, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all the generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Let's pray together. God, as we open your word this morning, my desire, my first desire is that you are glorified in everything that we do today, everything that is spoken today. And I pray, God, for, for each of us, including myself, as, as we work through this passage and, 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 and dissect the, the truths here, God, I pray for what this psalm is titled, and that is revive us again. I pray that Father, you revive us this morning to your presence, to the understanding of what it means to seek you, to dwell with you, to expect good things from you, and to be obedient to you. Father, I know many are in this room. We come with different needs, different experiences, context, stories. Father, we are unified in Christ, and that's what we praise you for. But God, I pray that where we are this morning, you meet us in a way that we are reminded and that we experience how good you are and that you desire your people to turn toward you. And I pray, God, that you uh, just guide us now. Open these truths to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we look at Psalm 85, a couple things here as far as background. We don't know who the author is of this psalm, or we don't even know the the background of the psalm itself. But most believe that this was written just after Israel returned from captivity in Babylon. And we understand from God's word of what that entailed, the, the 70 years as punishment for their sins against the Lord. But now we see that they have been restored to their land. But one thing right off the bat we need to identify with this psalmist right now is that even though 
they were exiled, even though they were exiled from the land or back into God's presence, we know that our hearts can sometimes remain in exile. We can be rescued. I think many of us can think back in our lives to where God has rescued us. We're thankful to him. But at the same time, our hearts are still back in that place. You can see this is what we, we find from the psalmist here, the reality of God revealing this to, to him, of him repenting of that reality and turning to God and then experiencing great blessing and revival. And you see, I think this, this situation, it parallels, it parallels ours to a, a great extent. I mean, if you're here today, if you're trusting in Christ, you can praise God this morning that you have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, that you are assured union with God, that you have been rescued, and we give God great praise for this. We just sing this together. But yet at the same time, we're not feeling the joy that maybe we think we should. We're still battling maybe with anger, worry, stress, maybe even feeling very discouraged right now. This is all part of what we experience in life. And we also look back on this year of 2020 and realize that it's, it's, it's one that has and will go down in the history books as one of the most disorienting, disappointing times of recent life. But aside from that, I know we're still living life. And even, even as I look across the room now, I, I can see many stories that, that, that consist of great loss, grief, disappointment. But yet at the same time, we still have hope, and that is in Jesus Christ. And so my desire for us this morning is that we, we begin to understand what it means to be revived. What, it, what does revival mean for us? What is the psalmist pointing us to? Well, in short, what we can focus on revival meaning for us is that it means to refresh. It means to restore to life, to restore to prosperity. And these are the things that we hope in. But there's something about this word of revival. When we're asking for revival, we're desiring for God to revive us again. Part of what is included in that is a, a memory or maybe a thought to back to a place in our life that we once existed in. We can remember being close to God. We can remember the goodness of what that season was like. Joyful, stress-free, together with family. And we want that. We don't want to be departed from that. And you see, when life is refreshed and restored, we have to understand where that comes from and who to go to and then center our life around, and that is God himself. And I want you to hear the basic truth of today's message is that it is God. It is the presence of God where we find revival. So Revive Us Again, that is the title of the sermon today. 
And I want to take us through this psalm in, in three sections, and the sections themselves will help define the points of the sermon. The first section in verses 1 through 3, we're going to see how the, the psalmist remembers the past. In the next set of verses, we're going to see how the, the psalmist reflects on the present. And then finally, how the psalmist rests in a plan. Now, it's, it's tempting to go to a place of saying, here's your formula for revival. And that is not what I'm aiming to do today. I'm not aiming to give you the, 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 the recipe to, to have joy and to have it all the time. What my desire is, is for us to learn from the psalmist and understand where God wants us. And that is with him in his presence. And we will focus on the joy we find there, of course. But at the same time, we must take a lesson here from what we find. So let's dive in. In verses 1 through 3, the psalmist remembers the past. We see here in verse 1, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. You see, we're seeing the psalmist. He, he looks back on where they were, where he was, and what the Lord had done for them. He strikes a note of praise because of the blessings of the Lord in the life of Israel. He had rescued them. He had brought them back from exile, and he's reflecting upon this good truth and memory that he has. And what he's doing is he's, he's remembering their captivity. He's remembering what it was like apart from God. And it's setting the foundation for how he moves forward in understanding how to be back in the presence of God. And this is important for us to hear this morning. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, I want to ask you, how often do you think of your life past, of what it was like before Christ? Can you remember? Can you reflect of what that felt like. What was the, what was the experience? For myself, I was, um, I was saved at a very early age. And so in the moment at six years old, when I really became to this understanding of my need for Christ, you know, I wasn't much into the party scene at that age, so I wasn't like, you know, living life in the wild, so to speak. I don't know. I came about, maybe I was 12. No, I'm joking. No. Um, what I'm making a point of here is this, guys. When I reflect back on that time in my life, when I put the pieces together of what I know now as, a, as an adult, as a man, as a father, as a husband, and I begin to put together my story and my history, I, be, I begin to realize and understand just what God rescued me from. At the age of six, my, my parents divorced because my father was basically finished with the marriage and he kicked us out of the home. It was time for us to go. And in a matter of less than a year, I find myself living in a whole new city. My mom remarries within a year's time. That's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, 
from when I was, from the time out from April of my 1977 and up until October of 1977, I was living in a whole new household in a whole new city. I had a stepfather. I had a stepsister. Yeah. And I remember figuring that out one day. I was like, wait a minute, Mom, you did what? You know, like, really? But here's the point that I want to make. When I think back of what was taking place, when I think back of what my mother did to protect me, to provide for me, God was at work through her to help rescue me. I remember the, the, the church that my, my mom and my stepfather were married in was the, was the church I would attend until I graduated high school. It was where I found Christ. It's, it's where, where God opened my heart to the goodness of the gospel. I was blessed to have a pastor in my life for that amount of time until I graduated high school. And the fact is, God, he rescued me. He provided for me. Now, yes, later on in life, I, I did go into exile as the, you know, the surly teenager. And, you know, I had that moment living life in rebellion and, and apart from God. But God again brought me back. And so I bring this to you to, to ask you and to, and, to, and to make a request of you. In this upcoming year, allow a rhythm of your life to be in this way, to reflect upon the goodness of God in your life. Reflect upon the story, your testimony of how God worked in your life to reveal himself to you, to draw you to him by the power of the Holy Spirit, to awaken and revive your heart into the newness of Jesus Christ. What was going on at that time? What was life like before it? You see, this is our, this is our testimony this is why I work with the teenagers for their baptism class to, to prepare their testimony in this way, to, to try and think about life before you knew Christ. And to think about the moment that God rescued you. And you see, not only is the psalmist remembering the captivity, remembering the exile, but he's, he's also remembering the cleansing, being brought back. We see this so wonderfully, a wonderful example in Luke chapter 15. I, I love this parable. Let me, let me just read a part of this to you here. Luke chapter 15, verses 3 through 7. It says, So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." Do you think of your story in this way, that when God called you to him, when he rescued you, that there was rejoicing in heaven? There was celebration. The joy that was, was, that was given because of you. This is the love that God has for you. 
And I'm taking you to this very simple place to remind you of this reality, to help you have a foundation of the love that God has for you in Christ Jesus. And so that no matter what you're experiencing in this season now, what you have to stand upon and take forward with you is the very reality of God's never-ending eternal love for you in Christ. Let that be the place to start and to reflect on. So simply, do you remember when? When that day happened? You see, as, as it goes forward here, we see that not only is the psalmist remembering the past, he begins to reflect upon the present and the circumstances that, that exist. So while... Israel had much to be grateful for. You know, there was, there was obviously, there was still room for improvement here. And this gets back to what I said before, that even though we could be rescued from exile, physically we're out of exile, our hearts can still be in the place. And you see, this begins to speak now to our walk as believers in Christ of what every day it means to be sanctified of what every day it means to be following after Christ, of what every day it means to be pursuing God because there are parts of our heart that are still in exile. And God loves you so much, just like I read in that parable. He is pursuing you. Not only has he rescued you, but he is redeeming you. He is sanctifying you. And he wants all of you in his presence. And he's going to stop at nothing, at nothing, to break through whatever is in your heart that is a barrier to him and redeem it for him. So it's very true that the hardship you're going through is the very discipline of God as he is just tearing down that wall between you and him and opening yourself up to him in the, full, the fullness of Christ that awaits you. You see, what we see here in verses 4 through 5 is, is we see that what, what begins to happen with the psalmist is that there is, a, they, there is a, a reflection and an understanding that there is need for repentance. And this is, what I'm, this is what I'm getting at here. That the life of following Christ, that the life of a Christian, it involves daily repentance, constant <laughs> repentance, confession, acknowledging the areas of our lives that are apart from God and turning to God. This is why he says in verse 4, even after recognizing the rescue, there is now this call in verse 4. Restore us again, O God of our salvation. Put away your indignation toward us. He's asking for restoration. And, I, and I, I'm telling you, this is the beginning of repentance. This is the acknowledging of what it means to turn from our sin and turn to God because we start to understand that it is only God who can rescue us. And I believe God's love for us is such that he lets us go down paths for where we try everything under our own control to, to make life better, to be a better person, until we have no more option than to fall upon the grace and mercy of God. That's where, that's where we encounter grace when there's nothing else and we cling to God. I want to make a note here that as, 
as the psalmist speaks here, he's, he's speaking in such a way that he's desiring this revival to take place on a national level. He's, he's looking at the restoration of Israel as a whole. And I bring this up because I want us to understand that that, that is something I think a lot of us desire. We want to see our church active and, and in, involved in the lives of people, helping to restore them and bring them to Christ. We want to see people coming through these doors, baptized, new believers. We want to be part of the lives of people making disciples. I desire this. I desire this for our young people, for them to turn to God and, to, and, and for there to be a, a wonderful renewing on such a massive level. We always desire this, I know, but I want us to hear that before that can happen, it has to happen individually. And this is the call today, that we are focusing individually on our hearts. We are aligning ourselves, just as the psalmist here, to God. And you see, just as the psalmist is now acknowledging the need for repentance... And, and letting go so that there can be a reliance on God. What, what begins to happen? In verse 6 through 7, this is where we see the, the, the psalmist speak of revival. In verse 6, it says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Notice that that call and need for revival did not come until there was an acknowledgement and a repentance. In Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 2, I want to read this to you. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. A beautiful passage. But can I ask you this question as I read this verse? We understand the need for repentance. We understand the call of the writer of Hebrews to to run life in such a way that we're laying aside sin. We're laying aside the weight, and we are running with endurance to cling closely to God. And I want to confess to you today that as I recognize this, what God spoke to me this past week is how much I live only in verse 1 and not in verse 2. Together. I want my life to be better. I want to experience joy. I want to have fullness. I want to do the things that please God. But God helped me to see even more that how much I do on my own overshadows the reality of God working in my own life. How much I am lacking, verse 2 in my life, where I am desiring, I am running after God, but what am I doing? I'm resting on my own ability. Instead of what? What does it say in verse 2? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame and his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, what God calls of us, he has already done for us. What God desires for us is is to simply depend upon him, to rest in him, and to be in his presence. This is where we will find 
revival. This is where we will find restoration. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop trying to run the race under your own power and run the race together with Christ in the righteousness that has been granted to you in Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see, this is what we see the, the, the model here. You see that the, the psalmist is, is understanding as, as we move forward is that the revival that is seeking, it is only through God. It is, it is in the presence of God. If I can give you a description of, okay, what, what will this revival entail? What will I experience in my life? I will tell you this, that when re- real revival comes, there will be an overpowering sense of God's presence, his holiness, and what will rise up in you is a commitment, an unashamed love for Jesus among uh, you and those around you. And what becomes magnified for you is Jesus. Only Christ in your life. And you see, as we live this, as we seek after this, we see this across our community. We see this across our church. And as I was looking through the, the different like, historical perspectives of different uh, revivals that have taken place, very common ones under Wesley and Whitfield and Finney and Edwards, you see, what was wonderful about these stories and accounts that it, it wasn't just within the church. It was the church and it was sinners alike. It was God redeeming through the restoration of his people. And I so hope that what you can gain from this as you reflect upon these verses is that the joy that you find again in the presence of God, understanding how he has rescued you and understanding how he is pursuing you, that your love grows so great that you are desiring this for everyone. You are desiring this for your community, for your neighborhood, that you are desiring this to see uh, happen. And it causes you to pray. It causes you to seek God. So as we look at this passage, my favorite part of the psalm is what we find in verses 8 through 13. We see that now the, the, the psalmist, his, his heart is revived. His, his mind is oriented on Christ. His direction is set. And now he's resting in a plan. And this is the third and final point. He settles on a plan of action. He tells us how he will do this, what he will seek, and how he will seek the Lord. And it just unfolds for us right here in verse 8. The first thing is that he will, his plan of action consists that he will conform to the word of God. He will listen to the word of God, and he will live it out in his life. In verse 8, it says, Let me hear what, the, what, the, what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Desire the word of God in your life. If you are stuck now and you you feel like you don't have the presence of God in your life, read God's word. Read this psalm. It is God speaking to you. 
but conform your life around it. Let your let yourself commit to the ways of God. This is what he says in verse 9, that surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. So as he is setting his mind upon the word of God in verse 8, he is now acknowledging that it is his life that must be committed to God. His life must be committed to pleasing God. And that as he fears the Lord, as he orients his life to God, he knows and he has this promise that salvation is near to those who fear him. Orient your life around God. Orient your life around what his word calls you to do. Have a healthy fear of God so that you may stay close to him. And as our lives are oriented around this, we see in verses 10 through 13 an example of the blessings that come. And what I love about this is that the blessing comes in a form of just kind of stepping back and taking inventory of what God is doing, the wonders of God. What is he doing in your life? What is he doing in the life around you? What is he doing to restore? In verses 10 through 11, we see that there is a wonderment of God's grace. Verse 10 says, Steadfast love and faithfulness meet, righteousness and peace kiss each other. What a beautiful description of the righteousness and the peace of God coming together and the grace of God at work. Think back to your story again. Think back to when you came to know Christ. Remember the peace that just overcame you. Remember the the desire you had just to follow after Christ because he he was the only, only thing that mattered to you in that time in your life. Don't you want that again? Don't you want your day to be filled with the constant desire to just to be with Christ in all things? You see, as we do these things in seeking God, we can step back and just give praise to God for his constant grace. In verse 12, there is a wonder of his goodness. The psalmist is just in wonderment over the goodness of God. He says, yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. So the desire to see the revival take place, the restoration take place, there is an acknowledgement that it will only come from God. And that's where his mind is fixed. It is only God who will provide this, and I will seek him and pray to him for it to happen. And finally, the wonder of his guidance. Righteousness, in verse 13 it says, righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. So this is pointing to the reality that it is God, it is God at work in all of these things, in your rescuing, in your restoration, in the reviving of your hearts to him. The goodness that he will show you, the blessings that he will pour out on you, but also the direction he will give you to continue to follow and make a way for your life and those around you. One of the things I wanted to let you know about as we close is the need for this to exist in the context of community. 
It is important that in our own individual lives, we are seeking God in this way. We are remembering what he has done for us. We are contemplating on, on what needs to change and where we need to depend upon him. We are contemplating and in, in, in following the plan of action of following after God. But it's not simply meant to be on your own. We are meant to do this in community. We are meant to live these hardships of life together. We are meant to uplift one another and encourage and exhort one another to, to these things and to this example of what we find in Psalm 85. And one of the things I wanted to let you know about that's upcoming in February is that Pastor Scott and, and his team, they are, they are relaunching um, uh, redemption groups. Okay, I'll, I'll say redemption groups because maybe you're familiar with that. Uh, but they are launching them under a new title called Restore. And this is going to begin in February, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weekly class that you can join in on and, and follow more, uh, very something similar to what we see in Psalm 85, but living life together. I'm planning to do this myself. Uh, my wife Shannon is planning to do this. And I, I am looking forward to the opportunity to, to do this in community and to live with the folks of Four Oaks. Another thing that's happening is uh, re-engage. Some, I think many of you uh, have, have, have done uh, this course before, and, and uh, they, this will be offered again in February. And if you, if you have questions about these things, I'm sure Pastor Scott would love to talk with you. Um, community group leaders or, or elders uh, can, who participate in these things would love to talk to you as well. So the main application for you guys to hear in the context of what I'm speaking to you today is that there is a need and draw for us to be doing this in community and to living life in such a real way that, that, that we, are, we are celebrating what God is doing in the lives of, of each other and letting this shape the course ahead for us as a church. And as it's beginning to happen in the life of our church, It'll spill out into our community. I know it will. And there are many people outside these doors that need to hear the truth of the gospel that are suffering, that are hopeless. And we need to be ready to serve. And we need to be in prayer for God to revive not only in our church, but to see that in our community and to see his goodness go forth. Pastor Joe is going to lead us in a song of reflection and and this asks that this be a, a time to, to think upon the goodness of God in your lives and give thanks to him now. Amen. Do you remember how Mary was grieving? How you wept as she fell at your feet? that you know what I'm feeling Could it be that you're weeping with me Arise O Lord and save me There's nowhere else to go
hard to know what you're doing Why won't you tell it all plain But you said you'd come back on the third day And Peter missed it again and again So maybe the answer surrounds us And we don't have eyes to see for us to hear. Pray that you have been encouraged by the restoring work of the gospel that's still at work in our lives. Let me send us out with this benediction. It says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now forever. Amen. Have a great week. You're dismissed.